You may have never been taught how to hunt at a young age by your dad, uncles, or grandpa, but now you have the desire to learn. This is more common than you think. You're definitely not alone. Adults of all ages and from all walks of life are looking for information and insight that will help them learn to hunt. My guest today, Scott Kirchhoff, a lifelong hunter and hunting mentor, joins a podcast to share his experiences as a hunter, reasons why we hunt, tips for those that want to mentor new hunters, and most importantly, programs for new hunters and how they can get started. Welcome to Activate the Hunt, helping you master the skill of hunting. If you're a new hunter who's just getting started, or you've been hunting for a while, but want to learn new tips, tactics, and information to help you become a better hunter, this podcast is for you. Get ready to Activate the Hunt. Welcome to episode two of Activate the Hunt podcast. My name is Colin Cottrell. I'm your host. I hope everybody's having a great week. I know I am. I had a great Father's Day. Got to spend the uh, the weekend with my family, and that was great. I hope all you fathers had a great Father's Day as well. I have a few things I want to mention before we get into our interview this week with Scott Kirchhoff. First off, I have to say, I was blown away by the response and feedback I got from everybody after launching Activate the Hunt last week. It really shows me how excited you all are about having this resource that will help you learn more and become better hunters. I also had many of you reach out to me that are just getting started as hunters. I appreciate how grateful and excited you are about this project. I know this is going to be a big time help for you on your journey as a hunter, and that really means a lot to me. Second, don't forget to join our Facebook group. It's called the Activate the Hunt Digital Campfire. This is a free online community where you can participate by asking any hunting-related questions you might have to learn from other hunters. This community will provide great value to all of you, so make sure you join right away at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash activate the hunt. Finally, since this is our first full interview podcast, I wanted to do something special. So I teamed up with Bowhunter Box Club and Accubo to launch a giveaway on Instagram. Go to instagram.com forward slash activate the hunt and find the giveaway post to learn how you can get entered. We will announce the giveaway winners next week on podcast episode three. So be sure you get entered before it's too late. All right, I'm really excited for the interview this week. I know it's going to be a big help to all of you who are just getting interested or just getting started as hunters. Like me, Scott started hunting at a young age and has been hunting for most of his life. As he got older, he found a passion for helping others and could see a growing need for helping adults learn to hunt. So he started a local business in a program called Hunt for Food LLC, which is based off of a state program called Learn to Hunt. In this podcast, Scott goes in-depth about his experiences as a hunter, what you should expect as you learn to hunt, It has some great tips for those of us who are already hunters but want to help mentor the next generation of hunters. There's a lot of great information in this interview. Enjoy. Hey, Scott. I just want to say thanks for joining the show today, and thanks for taking some time. I know you're pretty busy right now getting ready for a a big fishing trip to Canada. I do appreciate you taking time with us. Yeah, no problem. Glad uh, I could uh, cook up with you and share some insight, and uh, we could talk to you. Yeah, man. It was just really crazy how I uh, ended up finding you. I was doing some research for another podcast here down the road, and I saw that you left a comment on that podcast talking about uh, the program that you've started. So that that was pretty cool. But uh, let, let's let's go into a little bit about you know how you got started in hunting. You know, kind of talk about your early days, um, starting off you know and getting into hunting. Well. I was born back in the 60s, the early 60s, 
I was fortunate enough that my father was a big small game hunter and his father brought him up as a hunter and he had a couple older brothers that were into uh into deer hunting with a few buddies so he got to tag along and so when I was you know eight nine years old I got to go along rabbit hunting with him we would uh you know back then it wasn't such a big uh a big deal walk the railroad tracks and uh I was able to walk along behind them you know they were using Winchester Model 12s and um you know it was just there's there's just so much history that goes on to all this but uh, we would go out rabbit hunt, and I would kind of be the dog. They would say to me, okay, go over there, jump on that brush pile, and the rabbit would come out or, you know, make a swing up into the woods, and we'll get ready, and, you know, you'll probably kick some rabbits to us. So, um, And that, that kind of progressed to me able to carry my own gun. I was uh, The first gun I ever used was my uncle's 16-gauge bolt-action shotgun, and I still have nightmares about that gun, that safety either – either wouldn't disengage or the gun wouldn't fire. And, uh, but anyway, I was able to harvest a few rabbits, a few squirrels. And, you know, there was, there was quite a few pheasants in Wisconsin, uh, back then. And, uh, when I turned, uh, I think 14 or 15, I remember we were having, uh, the hunting meeting for the annual rifle deer season. And that was at our house. And, Dad had already told me my grades weren't weren't the greatest in school. He said, you, you probably are not going to make it this year. And I was so bummed out. And I was in the kitchen um, kind of, you know, with one ear to the dining room listening to what was going on. And finally he waved me in. He says, well, you might as well come in here. Maybe we can figure out a way to get you out there this year. That was real nice of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think around 1975 or so, I did my first deer hunt in Wisconsin. And uh, Wisconsin deer hunting is a, a really deep tradition where it lasts for nine days. It always starts Saturday before Thanksgiving. And there are some northern cities in the state that still close schools that whole week because there's such a such a shortage of not only students, but teacher and faculty, because it's, it's such a deep, uh, deep tradition of Wisconsin. So I went up, we stayed in this little tar paper shack way back in the woods and no electricity, no running water. Uh, we had uh, gas lanterns, a wood burning stove and a pump in the corner that you had to prime to get the water out of it. We hunted all week and the very last morning, I shot my first deer, and that was the only deer taken that whole that whole year. There was like nine or ten of us. Wow! So after nine after nine days of hunting, and sitting there, I'm I'm guessing in the snow and the cold, oh, yeah, waiting and waiting just to see something, and all of a sudden a deer comes along, and you finally uh, get a chance to kill one. We actually made a drive that last morning. I can still vividly remember that deer. There was a buck and a doe, and they were coming. Through the hardwoods, wide open, big hardwoods, you know, oaks and maples and basswood. Yep. You know, there's a foot and a half of snow, and this deer's coming. And it was an old deer. It didn't have a real big rack, but it was a big body old deer. And I had borrowed my godfather's old Marlin lever action rifle in 3030 at an octagon barrel. I remember I shot and shot and shot. I think I unloaded it 
and I put another shell in, and the last shot, that deer finally went down, and I had hit him four times. It just, uh, the adrenaline of that running. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, such a mix of emotions between, you know, being surprised and being in awe and being excited and, you know, feeling, you know, a little bit of remorse that all of us under yep, yep. and totally. I can remember, I can remember crying and yelling, I got him, I got him. My dad, I think he was more proud than, than anybody was that day. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really, really neat experience. And I actually spent 10 years after that without filling a deer tag. Wow. And then things started really to click. I got a little bit older and a little more experience under my belt. And yeah. So, yeah. Back in those times, you know, I mean, even today as hunters, I mean, it's not, we don't just go into the hunt, you know, just for the kill, you know, I mean, that's, oh, I think no. that's one of the biggest mis- misconceptions that out, that's out there. I mean, and that's just a great point right there. I mean, you went 10 years and I'm, I'm guessing you still went back to the same hunting camp every year. Oh, every you year sat for those. Yeah. yeah. You went back every year and you never, I mean, you probably seen deer, but didn't kill one. Right. And my dad is going to celebrate his 82nd birthday this year. And he still is an avid hunter, both archery and gun. He hunts a little bit of small game, um, but he's, he's really um, a diehard deer hunter. And it's still, to this day, it amazes me when I meet him at the end of a hunt, at the end of the night, you know, I'll drop him off. I'll make sure he's safe. He's going his direction up in a tree stand, and I'll go my way. And we'll meet back at the truck, and I'll say, well, how did it go tonight? He says, well, I watched, I watched this owl, and it flew into this tree, and it was watching this grouse. I saw this grouse about an hour earlier, and it was pecking away at some birds on the ground, walking around, and this owl watched him, and it just was mesmerized. And then I had this uh, chipmunk, and this chipmunk, came by, ran along this log back and forth. I've counted like 18 times. It must have been stashing acorns. And I says, okay, well, how about the deer? Oh, no, I didn't see any deer. But, uh, oh, and, and then I saw uh, a fisher, you know, and it's just all the other things that happen when you're in the woods. Um, those are the things, you know, it, it just really makes it. And, you know, there's so many people that think hunters are out there just, uh, you know, just to get blood flowing and just to kill stuff. Just just for a thrill kill. But, yeah. you know, the truth is I, I've I've been lucky to hunt with a lot of old timers myself, you know, and they're they're the same way. I mean, the first thing they talk about is everything else that happened. And then I'm like, well, did you see something or, you know, right. got one down or what? Right. You know, and, and oh, no, I didn't even see anything. But right. I had a great night hunting. Right. And, you know, and the older you get, I think you appreciate the solitude and the time to get away and relax and the younger generation, you got to get away from all that electronics and just, just let your mind go back to nature and just relax. I'm I'm getting ready to leave for Canada next week. And we've got a young guy going along and I think he's like 20, 21 years old. I talked to him and the hardest thing for him is going to be not to have reception for his phone because he's on Facebook and you know, he's, email and all this stuff it's like you know what just this is a break this is 
truly a vacation. You just got to let that stuff go. Clear your mind and cleanse your soul, man. It's, I mean, the, the the older I get, I'm I'm a young guy myself. I'm I'm only 29. I'll be 30 this year. And the older I get, it's it's the same way. It's the it, and I and I do a lot of digital marketing and social media type stuff for for my work. The older I get, the more and more I want to get away from that and just enjoy time in the stand and just sit out in the stand. And, and a lot of times, I'll just turn my phone off just to enjoy it and look around and re- really enjoy nature. Absolutely. There was a commercial a few years ago where these guys are on the road trip and they keep on stopping and checking their phone to see if they have reception. And once they find a spot where they don't have reception, they said, this is it. This is where we're going to camp, you know, and that's kind of how it is. You just, you just gotta, you know, put all that stuff aside and you got to make time for yourself and, you know, quit worrying about the office and about, you know, people trying to get a hold of you and just get out there and enjoy, enjoy what's, uh, what the outdoors has for you. Yeah, exactly. And again, like like I mentioned before, it's you know it's not just about the kill. I mean, if it was just about the kill, I mean, we could we could go you know I mean we could go to a place and probably pay for a hunt if we really wanted to, where it was pretty much a guarantee. I mean, that's that. <laughs> there's that out there for us, but it's it's not about that. Absolutely, you know, for so many of us, it's the it's the hunt that comes before it, and when you pull the trigger. The hunt's over. Now the work begins. Totally. When anybody is contemplating taking the next step and becoming a mentor and really getting new hunters involved, you got to realize that some of these new new people out there, these new hunters, they're not quite sure about pulling the trigger. You know, they don't. They there's a big mix of emotions that goes into it. Yeah, they've never done this before, other than to shoot their gun during practice. Right, you know, and you're taking the life of another animal, whether it's a small game or, you know, a large big game animal, it's still, it's, it has consequences. And uh, there is a mix of emotions for all hunters, whether they want to admit it or not when it happens. And for some of us, you know, I've, I've had a deer in front of me and everything was perfect. And I was like, you know what? No, I just, I, I think I'm going to wait. I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to pull the trigger at this time. And so, you know, yeah, there is a, there's a lot to be said for, for personal restraint and for just being out there and enjoying things. And, you know, we're not just a bunch of bloodthirsty savages wanting to kill everything. You know, there's women and, and their daughters that are out there for the first time. And, you know, there's, there's a whole gamut of, of people for all, social economic classes and uh, we want to enjoy the outdoors we want to eat eat what we harvest and we want that to be quality meat that we know where it came from and there's no antibiotics there's no growth hormones and all that other stuff i mean when you go to a store and you buy a burger from you know the counter you don't know where it came from or how many people touched that or how long that animal was dead or how it died you know, and all of that stuff. So yeah, there's a lot to be said for, for all that. Well, you know, and this kind of brings us into, in the, you know, my next question is, you know, you, you have a lot of experience. Uh, you, you have a program or a, or a business that you started called hunt for food LLC. And you know, it, it gets, it gets adult hunters or people who are interested in their adults into hunting. Tell me a little bit about hunt for food and, and what you do with that. Well, I started in 2000 as a hunter safety instructor here in Watertown, Wisconsin. A couple years after that, I found out that the state had a program called Learn to Hunt, 
where you could, as an instructor, fill out the paperwork and you could conduct a hunt outside of the regular hunting season for the most part and take new hunters, mentor them one-on-one and give them a safe introduction into hunting. They don't have to have hunter safety prior to this. And because you're able to do it outside of the season framework, you have a lot less pressure. And so I started with turkey hunting. I did a pheasant hunt. We did rabbit hunting. I progressed into deer hunting. And we had a lot of 12 and 14-year-old boys that were from my hunter safety classes that were really interested. And what I started to see is that a lot of these young guys came from families where, you know, dad was a hunter. And dad is like, you know what? Why don't we just enroll you in this and we'll let somebody else take you out and they can introduce you to hunting because, you know, sometimes you don't listen to me all the time. And, you know, that's going to cut into my time when I go out hunting. And I started to look at it like, you know, I don't want to be just a free guided hunt for a bunch of, you know, young guys or gals that are, that they're going to get this eventually. They have that in their family. So I started an adult learned to hunt and I turned, I called it um, hunt for food where we are not focusing on trophy. We're not going out there to shoot, you know, a trophy deer. We're not, uh, in fact, in the spring, I've even got permits from the DNR. They let us shoot hens in the spring um, on certain properties where they have a problem with excess turkey population, uh, a lot of crop damage. And so I, I told them, I told the wildlife biologists, I told the wardens, you know, we're not out there to, uh, to shoot, you know, the biggest tom in the county. We, we want to show them how to harvest this stuff and how, how to butcher it and take it home and put it on the table for your family and make an amazing meal and along with the experience and help the landowners along the way. So how many years have you been doing Hunt for Food? This is going to be my, my fourth year coming up this fall where I've done this uh, hunt for food and I have a great group of mentors that have donated their time to come along and help me with this. What's a good time for someone to join this class or get involved with this group? We start usually in August and we have a couple classes out at the hunt club where I teach hunter safety out at uh, Milford Hills. I mean, it's, it's an amazing facility. It's the only five star shooting club in the state. And they have classrooms, they have five stand, they have sporting clays, and they totally support me from day one. Is this program something, you know, I know that you're starting kind of your own program, but is the, the Learn to Hunt program, is that something you think that's common in most states? I mean, I know my listeners are probably from all over the United States, and, and some of them may be from, you know, the big city in New York or the big city in California. Now, do you think these kind of programs are in their states as well? I am sure that if they get in touch with their local wildlife management, their DNR, whatever they happen to call it in their state, I am sure that there are programs for recruiting new hunters. There's a huge push right now on nationwide. Uh, it's called R3. It's Hunter Recruitment, Retention, and Reactivation. And there are funds available from the federal government as well as the state for groups and individuals to get these programs started 
to not only recruit new hunters to help replace the hunters that we're losing annually through attrition, but also to reactivate hunters who maybe had hunted while they were kids and they kind of, you know, fell by the wayside and, Mm -hmm. you know, for one reason or the other, they, they quit hunting and to, to get, to get people more involved that, you know, maybe hunted quite a bit. Now, well, I just go out for the deer season. I don't do much small game or waterfall stuff like that. So yes, I am sure that if they go ahead and call their DNR or their state wildlife, they will find that there are learn to hunt programs, um, whatever they're going to call them individually in the state. And there are many, many opportunities for them to, to get hooked up with an experienced mentor or a group that will help guide them along the way and help them with equipment selection and loaning out gear and uh, get them pointed in the right direction so they know what kind of licenses they need and the public lands available hunt and all that stuff. So absolutely. Not everybody's like you and I where, you know, we were obviously brought into hunting from our family, you know, from our dads and our grandfathers and and for me, my uncles as well. You know, not everybody has that opportunity. And I think, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I started Activate the Hunt is the fact that I've had many people contacting me, asking me these questions because they felt like they could you know, get in touch with me or they could contact me and, and you know, and I was open, going to be open to them. And I, right. you know, I, I think that's one thing that's important to know is hunters want, you know, most hunters that I know want other hunt, you know, want people who are interested in hunting to ask them questions, you know, to get involved. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Um, from the first day that I had my first learn to turkey hunt program, I started to recruit mentors and it was through word of mouth that was back in, uh, you know, early um, 2000, and I I would get a few people involved, and they would, I got a buddy that's a big turkey hunter, and uh, pretty soon, you know, my first class was like 36 first-time hunters going out turkey hunting, and everyone had a mentor, and we hunted one weekend, it was the weekend before the first turkey season started in Wisconsin, and after After the hunt was done and everybody showed back up at the club for a little lunch, we took pictures and these mentors pulled me aside. He says, man, this is the greatest experience I've had. I would, I would do this rather than getting my own turkey tag and shooting my own bird. It is so gratifying to pass on my knowledge and my experience and see that face light up on that first time hunter when they hear a turkey gobble or you show them how to hoot like an owl and that turkey gobbles and answers to them and you know everything from shooting at the range to scouting you know harvesting a bird hopefully and you know uh, showing them how to field dress it and giving them some suggestions for cooking it Um, yeah it's all my mentors are like you know what this is such a worthwhile program and I would I would just as soon do this than hunt myself what are you seeing with, you know, these, these guys who are wanting to be in this program? What, what's their reasoning behind wanting to join this? Is, I mean, are most of them, obviously you're in Wisconsin, so you're in a pretty, you're in kind of a rural, what I would call a rural area or a rural place. You know, a lot of the guys there might be getting into this because, you know, it's something that's in the past and they've already been introduced to hunting. But, you know, is there a lot of people that are getting into this or joining this that have never hunted and, and actually, you know, what's their reasoning behind it? Well, I'm getting a lot of single mothers that have kids that are interested in firearms and going through hunter safety, and they want to hunt, take the next step. And mom's like, you know what, 
I think this is great. Um, you know, I grew up and I, my dad would always go out and harvest deer and, you know, I never got a chance to, because that was a guy's thing back then. And I think it's great. And I'd, I'd really like to learn a little bit more. We also have a, a younger generation. We've got college age uh, men and women that are really looking into the local vor movement. They're looking into um, eating locally grown and sourced foods, whether it's uh, meats, uh, beef, uh, pork, chicken, whatever, going to farmer's markets. And they're really worried about their carbon footprint and what's happening with the, with the world as far as, you know, global uh, warming and all this stuff. And they, they want to be responsible and they want to do what they can at whatever level they can do it. And so they think, you know, rather than buying from a huge, you know, beef ranch that is, you know, destroying uh, the envir environment on a lot of different levels, we would rather go ahead and find something that's free range, that is totally natural and um, harvest it ourselves and learn how to go ahead and be our own butcher and cook food up that is much healthier so it's 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 pretty much a, a broad spectrum but um you know that uh those young college age folks that are, are really looking towards the future of of the world actually and want to do what's best for economy and everything involved yeah I think it, yeah exactly they want to be responsible and which i that's a great thing and you know even for myself i i grew up hunting and everything you know but I still, you know, now that I'm married and I have a child, I think about, you know, I want to pass down something to my kids and I'm looking out for my own kids and their kids. You know, you start to think about that as you get older and, and you want to be responsible and you want to leave things. You know, I was always taught to leave things better than you got them. So, I mean, we, I think that's the mindset that we need to teach, you know, these new hunters and this next generation. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's all about, you know, what are you going to leave to the next generation? You know, you're just going to come and go and all you're going to have is a headstone to mark your passing or you're really going to make a difference. And I really think that's that's where a lot of this mindset is coming from. And it, it's really refreshing. You know, unfortunately, we're, we're losing the number of hunters and we've even got problems getting knowledgeable hunters that are applying for jobs in the state and in the wildlife agencies that are managing our wildlife and our hunting. And so they really don't have a lot of background to, uh, to go back on. So, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, there's, there's such a lack of continuity and, uh, it's, yeah. it, it's really important. I, I know, uh, the state of Wisconsin and Madison, um, the university, they're doing a really great job as well. Stevens point and some of the other ones where you have wildlife students that are applying, um, to take these classes and they want to get into management of wildlife and, and the DNR and they're offering them hunter safety. They're offering them hunting classes. And because, you know, it's, it's one thing to manage wildlife, but unless you know, what it's like to be a hunter and you know what it's like to be on the other end of that shotgun. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to kind of get that picture in your mind, what it's like and what, what are their ideas and their goals and their thought process. Yep. Totally. 
So with your program, if somebody, you know, if somebody's joining it or being part of it now, are you, are you giving them equipment to use? Kind of walk through that process. Or, you know, if, say somebody comes and they've never hunted, they don't even know how to shoot a gun, you know, kind of, where do they start? Like I said, we meet uh, starting here, probably mid August. We meet out at the, at the club. We have a, a really informal classroom session. I will bring in usually something in a slow cooker some kind of wild game, usually venison, and we will uh, have a little snack and we'll talk about their experiences with firearms. We'll kind of gauge where they're at and what kind of things they've done in the past. And as an instructor, I can get them certified through hunter safety by following the protocol and taking the test and doing doing the, the classwork. A lot of them have gone through classes with, you know, younger um, children of theirs, and they just really never progress to the next step. What's the hunter safety program like? Is it pretty easy? Is it, you know, I, I can't even remember what it was like. It was I was twelve years old when I took it, and it was I remember it was you know it was very extensive in the sense that we learned a lot of good information, and then we went out on the range. Um, is that still what it's like today? Yeah, pretty much. The state has kind of boiled down the program to what they need to know to get started, to be safe, how a firearm works, what the five different actions are, how to be safe with it at all times, whether you're taking it out of the safe at home, whether you're finding one at a gun shop and using it in the field. And then tree stand safety is a huge part of our class because so many Wisconsin hunters hunt out of tree stands and more people get hurt falling out of tree stands than all the hunting uh, firearm-related incidents. So we uh, we really talk about um, tree stand safety. But it's uh, the, the course in Wisconsin now is a minimum of 10 hours, and the state would like to see it no longer than a 19-hour class. And uh, in the past, instructors had a lot of uh, their own leeway to go as long as they wanted some instructors had 25, 30, 35 hour classes, which was good in a sense because you got people involved that were really big into archery, really big into muzzle loading or handguns or reloading, you know, survival, or making fires, all this kind of stuff. But for the average hunter, a lot of that is over their head. They really don't need all that. And most people nowadays, I can't tell you how many parents I get that call me, well, I'd like to get Johnny in this hunter safety class, but he's got baseball practice, and then he's got a tuba lesson, and we really can't miss any of that. So, you know, can you work around our schedule? And so uh, there's such a, a great demand on time that my classes nowadays last three days, a uh, total of 10 or 11 hours, and we start with the four basic rules of hunter safety. We boil them down from, you know, the Ten Commandments, and we've gotten them down to four basic rules. And they learn that the first day we get um, guns out of the gun cabinet and um, they get them in their hands and they get to stand up and, and work their actions and see how they work. And by the end of class, they've taken a written test. They've taken a field test. And when I graduate a student, I'm confident that I can go out in the woods with them. And they can be walking behind me with a loaded gun. And I know they're going to keep that gun pointed in a safe direction. They're going to know what to do with it and that they're going to follow the basic four rules. And so that's really what it boils down to. And then, of course, with the, with the tree stand safety. So, 
Yep. Yep. Oh. So so now so now they're in your program. They've taken their they take they've taken their hunter safety, and now you now you're in the classroom. Obviously, you, you were talking about you know you kind of sit around and, and talk a little bit about their experiences. Where does it go from there? Well, then we will um, set up a range day. We will go up. We will meet at the club again, and we will go out to the range and shoot. We shoot shotgun. I have twelve gauge, twenty gauge. I've got some some shorter youth models for some of the the shorter people, and uh, we do some general um, instructing, and uh, we do a bunch of shooting, and uh, we we don't want them to overdo it. We give everybody you know half a dozen six eight shots, and uh, kind of find out where their weaknesses are. My experience has been the women and the girls seem to do better if they're a first time shooter at the range because they don't have a lot of pre they don't have a lot of preconceived notions. They're not trying to prove something. They're there to listen and follow instructions where the boys and the men are like, Well, I should know how to do this. I've done this. I've played with guns. I you know, whether it's airsoft or laser tag or paintball or whatever, I know how to do this and right away they want to try to prove something. And they have a lot of bad habits. And you got to break them out of that. So we um, we spend time at the range, and that that gets us right about into the first of September in Wisconsin. We have uh, the dove season opens September first, and also the early goose season. And so we kind of talk about whoever's interested and in going one way or the other, or maybe both. Um, I schedule some vacation. Some of my mentors are retired. Some of them are able to work around their schedules, and we go out. And we dove hunt opening morning. We talk to the local DNR. We find out where they have fields that are planted in sunflowers for dove hunters. And we go and we scout it out. Um, we have some properties where there's farmers complaining about a lot of uh, Canada goose um, problems, predation, um, you know, crop damage. And uh, we'll get permission and we'll go out there, set up decoys, and we'll, we'll do some, some goose hunting. And so yeah. it, it just snowballs from there. Um, after a couple of weeks of uh, early goose season, pretty soon the regular waterfall season's open, and we got the early teal. So uh, yeah, everybody is really getting excited about shooting the first, uh, the first, you know, small game animal, whether it's a dove or a goose. And um, last year we had, I think, fourteen of us were at a public hunting area, and uh, I think we shot fifty-four doves. Um, by nine o'clock that first morning, Excellent. we met, came back to the parking lot and I showed them how to clean, um, about half of those. And I pulled out my little gas grill, put it on the tailgate and, uh, we cleaned them up and, uh, threw them on the grill and we made some, uh, some, some, uh, dove poppers right in the parking lot. And they right there, man. Oh, absolutely. And That's so, awesome. you know, it's, it, it's all about the, you know, the, the prize at the end of the hunt, you know, how are you going to take this? And even Canada goose, Canada geese have a bad rap on uh, a lot of areas for being, you know, sky carp. They're really not that great to eat, but I'll tell you, if you know what to do with them, I don't care if they've been sitting on a, a golf course all summer eating grass or they came out of a marsh or they just flew out of Saskatchewan. If you know what to do with that goose, I can make that thing taste like prime rib. And uh, people are amazed 
and you know i've i've got a lot of older hunters really interested into goose hunting again because they can remember shooting geese when they were young and now what you do with them and you know you make jerky or make sausage you're like what the heck am i going to do these things you can't hardly chew them well there's tricks to all this wild game and uh you know that's that's one of my secrets and one of my one of my biggest uh accolades i is cooking this stuff up and showing them how it can be yeah i was i was looking through your facebook and looking at your photos man and i'll tell you what i was my mouth was salivating just looking through those photos there was a bunch of cooking photos and morel mushrooms i grew up morel mushroom hunting so i i was big into that we forage for whatever's available you know whether it's uh it's ramps or um you know morels like you said or asparagus or strawberries blueberries are you guys teaching about some of that stuff too in this, in this, you know, in hunt for food? Is that kind of part of the, part of the course or part of the, you know, what you're doing? It's kind of a sideline, you know, as we walk through the woods, we'll point out, you know, this is poison ivy. You know, you want to understand what this looks like. You want to make sure you stay away from it. Even in winter, when the leaves are all gone, digging in the ground, you know, I work for electric utility and a lot of times we got to dig in the ground to repair cable. And I know guys that are very susceptible and they've got poison ivy in the dead of winter just by going through some roots of poison ivy. And uh, it's kind of hard to know where it is at that time of year. But yeah, we, we try to keep them really aware of everything that's available in the environment, whether it's something that is going to cause you some some problems or whether something that's going to be you know, to your advantage, something that's edible. We'll walk by a milkweed plant, and I'll show them, okay, in the fall, when this big seed cluster opens up, you can take these out, and I'll grab one, and I'll put it in my vest, because later in the year, I can use this as a perfect wind indicator. And you take one of these little seeds, and it is, you know... Oh, they work great. They work really awesome. I I remember, growing up, we did the same thing, man. You'd, You'd grab one, and... And I don't even think somebody taught me that. I just grabbed one. I was like, man, this looks yeah. kind of cool. I opened it up and I'm like, well, there they go. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just really being aware of nature and opening your eyes and just experiencing everything from the sunrise to the call of all the songbirds and, you know, listening to crickets, you know, seeing snakes. And I mean, it's just everything that's out there. It's, it's awesome. It's an experience. A lot of these folks, yeah, they, they, really, they really never really thought that deep into it they just okay yeah there's a woods and there's a field and but when you get out there as a hunter and you sit there and you're quiet and you listen and maybe you blend into the outdoors with your camouflage and your 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 stillness and you get to see stuff that most people never will experience unless you're actually out there as a hunter or maybe a photographer so i agree i totally agree on that well I want to, I'm going to wrap up the show here today and, you know, there's a few additional questions I like to ask all my guests, Scott. And the first question, it's a simple one, but I know it's different for everyone. So, you know, why do you hunt? Well, I guess I am really hooked on wild edible meat and I enjoy venison. I enjoy duck, um, goose, everything. And so I really enjoy having a freezer full of wild game that I can prepare and share with family and friends. Um, I'm, I'm a real big fan of 
a couple of different hunting shows, especially uh, the meat eater, Stephen Ranella, and he goes out of his way to make sure he utilizes every single piece of that game animal, whether it's the lower shanks of the legs of a deer, uh, making also buco or the front shoulder. I mean, so I've, I try all this different stuff and just to get out there and match your own wits with the wild game. Um, you know, especially the different types of hunting where you interact with them, um, calling, whether it's waterfowl, uh, whether it's uh, elk hunting or turkey hunting, and you're interacting and you're trying to trying to be part of their of their you know social um, order and get them to respond to you. It's just it's just really amazing and spend time away, unwind, you know, get out there and get some fresh air. I'm right there with you, Scott. I'm right there with you. Hey, where where can people find out a little bit more information about you or get in contact with you? Well, I don't have a website as of yet. They can go to hunt for number four food LLC at gmail.com. They can throw me an email if they're in Wisconsin. I'd be more than happy. I've had people contact me from California, from all over the country that have either seen my posts on some of these other websites or are in the area and are looking to to try some of this stuff. So yeah, that's, that's probably the best way. Man, I, I, re- I really appreciate you taking time again today with, uh, with us and, and sharing all your wealth of knowledge. And I think this is going to help, you know, a lot of the listeners that I have that are, you know, really just getting interested in hunting or wanting to learn more and, and dig deeper in this, you know, this lifestyle and this journey of hunting. So thank you so much for that. Hey, you're welcome. Appreciate the call. I hope you enjoyed the interview this week with Scott. I encourage you, if you're someone who's just getting started in hunting, please contact your state DNR or visit their website. You'll find a wealth of information about their Learn to Hunt programs so you can get connected with other hunters who want to mentor you. You can also reach out to me at activatethehunt.com forward slash contact with any questions you might have. I'd be glad to help you. I also need to mention, if you're looking for any information or resources that were talked about during the podcast today, you can find the show notes at activatethehunt.com forward slash 002. Finally, if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to hit subscribe. I'd also love it if you'd leave me a rating and review. This will help others that are looking for hunting information find Activate the Hunt podcast. We will be back next Wednesday with a new interview. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Activate the Hunt podcast. For additional information about this podcast, the show notes, hunting articles, and more, visit www.activatethehunt.com.